Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 46 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Hello, everybody. My mother who gave birth to me in May. I'm actually so fucking glad that May's <laughs> almost over because May is the most expensive month yes, for me. Because not only are you a mother that gave birth in May, I am also a mother that gave birth in May. And my boyfriend's mother is also a mother that gave birth in May. And then there's also Mother's, Mother's Day, Day in May. There's it's a been, lot of shit It's been May. hectic. And it's always, so my son's birthday's in April on the 10th. And then it starts... May is like, what is there, three of you now, yeah. and Alex yeah. is in April, and by the end of it, I'm fucking broke as hell, so <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty happy that May is almost over. Yeah, so well, for all our listeners that have been listening for three years, you guys have been through a couple Mays with us, so you know how hectic May is <laughs> for us, so. And I look shabby by the end of May, because I'm just like so tired, I have to see <laughs> Danica's father only once oh, a year, and it's yeah. always in May, and... I'm not saying that you I know, like that. You might be a listener now. So. Oh, good lord! So she loves it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for wish, wish we could get back me. together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Woo. Okay, that's this is on the internet, mom. You can't say stuff you don't mean. Just kidding. Um, we also had a wedding this May. So my great uncle, who is my mom's uncle, bring out the banjo, who's actually two, younger, two years younger than me, than my mom. Um, he got married to his longtime love of his life. Um, they're lovers. They're lovers, yeah. Um, now they're husband and wife. So she's a pair of sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's why everyone gets divorced in five seconds. Just kidding. I well, I know. made it a year and four months. So yeah, a little so. longer than five seconds, but not much. Yeah. Well, so the wedding was super fun. Super though. fun. And we met, I mean, we saw a lot of our family, which was super cool. And. Now a lot of our family doubles as listeners. So hey fam, <laughs> hey fam, Stefan, we love you. Um, He's like one of the most loyal listeners. Yeah, and I didn't even know. <laughs> that's I was like, <laughs> yeah. if you guys could see me, I would just awkwardly beat my chest, like you know. Um, but yeah, so we met a lot of live. I've met a lot of listeners too, just kind of out and about, which has been really it's funny. Been, it's been very strange, yeah. Yeah. Hi everybody. Hi everybody. If you're looking at me oddly and <laughs> know who I am, you could just say hi. Just be like, hey Christy or hey Danica. Yeah. And if you don't remember our names, then just say, hey murder lady. <laughs> Ladies that <laughs> talk about murder and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so you guys know um, a lot of. A lot of shit's been happening, obviously. In the true crime world, actually, is kind of where I want to focus our true crime events. This, the shit's still popping off in Vancouver. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. there's some big stuff going on in the true crime community. Um, first and foremost, a lot of people who are obviously true crime fans are familiar. We always talk about it. Familiar with like the the big ones, the big big yeah. ones, the ones that we've been following for God probably since you were born, pretty much. I think that actually that that was the year after I was born. This trial. Well, so wh- who I'm talking about is Eric and Lyle Menendez. In 1993, they were trying to think what year was it that they even 
what the crime happened. 89? I don't know, but it was, yeah, it was right around there because I remember with my feathered hair watching it on my <laughs> multicolored <laughs> sofa. Yeah, if you never know the date, just look at mom's hair and yeah. I can always be like, that was this year. Although the 90s lasted well looked into the like, 2000s. Well, they, lo- they looked like the 80s still, but they're the 90s. <laughs> and then they, the 80s might lasted all the way to the 2000s. So, um, but yeah, it's so. Flat now. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but anyway, Lyle and Eric Menendez, they were eventually, they had two trials, uh, found guilty of murdering their parents. And yeah, both of their parents. Yes. And surprise, surprise, obviously, our listeners, you guys all know that we never talk about trauma or what happens to you having an effect on a lot of these people. So in the trial, it was said, the defense was saying that uh, these boys were, well, they were men at the time, but they were molested from like the age of from young. Yeah, like very young. And they were, they were claiming that they were both molested by mm-hmm. their father. Yep, Jose Menendez. And their mother knew about it the whole time, Kitty. Yeah. She just and did turned, nothing and yeah, just turned like, her And head. they were fully on, like fully like made to do things, I think, with him, like yeah. just out in the open. And so there was a lot of doubt when it came out mm-hmm. because not a lot of people were talking about stuff like that back then. Nope. And it was super shocking. Like, I remember, like, oh, my God, the shit these kids are making up. And it was now has come out that he has also been accused recently of um, molesting a member of a famous boy band. Yeah. So he was a, yeah, Menudo. So there's actually a new documentary. I haven't seen it yet. But as soon as I heard about it, I was like, I need to get this login of one of these <laughs> if anyone time. has peacock, peacock Nika needs let the me password. Use, i'll let you use my crave you could use my prime you could use whatever netflix isn't mine it's i can Tommy's, so <laughs> i'm still on there but <laughs> that which is my ex-boyfriend yeah, of three years ago even, yeah but whatever anyway so they are um these new reports are coming out which now because what had happened was the state of california versus menendez basically was saying that these boys did all of this for financial gain and they murdered their parents for selfish reasons but um the brothers always have stuck to their stories because yeah. they are still incarcerated and they're well into their i think 50s uh, now yeah i think they're older than me for yeah. sure and i think th- also like yes the family was extremely well off mm-hmm. And the boys, the, the dad was a record exec, which yeah. put the boy band and the record exec together. And exactly. it's not actually the only person that they are accusing. Uh, it, um, hold on, his name, the member of Menudo, is actually named Roy Rosello. So he has claimed that Jose Menendez, then an executive at RCA Records, which signed Menudo to a multi-million dollar contract, raped him as well in the family's New Jersey home. So obviously, that is going to make people give it a second look, I think, or a third look now, because the first time the jury was deadlocked. So that trial. Yeah. And I mean, basically, when they were convicted, it was on the premise that they like premeditated this murder for no fucking reason. And they just did it because they wanted the money. And I mean, they They didn't get any money. No. And their claims, their claims have now been even more substantiated. And fuck like yeah. i'm just uh, but i uh, you guys know i don't shy away from talking about that kind of stuff obviously no. it's really sad to put it this way but every person we know most likely has been sexually assaulted in some f- way shape yeah. or form and if you haven't you're you know you're that's gonna be no, well no i'm just no. joking oh my God. <laughs> i'm just joking. i know it's inappropriate sorry <laughs> yeah but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
that's your trauma response. You like to make everything into a joke. That is true. But it's... (laughs) Okay, backtrack here. Really, it's really sad because that is a trauma that it it does cause people to have... The brain ways... The, br- the pathways in your brain physically change, change yeah. when you are sexually assaulted, especially before the age of 12. So, And I also think, like, your pathways change. You uh, When you're going through something that traumatic, that is pretty much the only way you can see. Like, imagine your mom knows the whole time that this is happening to you. Other people probably knew also, and so the well, only... cousins that had conversations with the parents, but, yeah. like, it was a well-known... And that's the thing, and we've discussed this before many times, is most of the time in the early, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, probably, you know, now is the only time it has been people are actually getting it out on the table. There's, you know, that shame that's associated to that is... Obviously, someone's going to have shame just because that is something that is so misunderstood and that you don't know what's going on, especially when you're a child and you're targeted in an act like that. You can't make sense of it. So shame just comes with that. But now learning that there's no shame associated with it because you didn't do anything. No, you're not the one. I mean, even even the, um, the way that rape is now understood in any form is so different. Like... Before it was always said like, oh, you didn't say no, yeah, or, or you wore that really short yeah. skirt, or yeah. well, you were just drunk. But it's like if you have sex with someone when they're drunk and incoherent, they cannot say yes to you. Even if you have sex with someone that doesn't explicitly say to you like, I want to have sex with you right now, and like yeah. starts going at it with you. I mean, it's gonna be there's a chance. I mean, if you didn't give your explicit consent, yeah. it's not consent. No, exactly. But we are going to, I could talk about Menendez, the Menendez brothers. We should probably one day do let's do it an episode let's on the Menendez it. brothers. We'll do it. We'll do it for you guys. But um, just to change gears, all the cases, speaking of the cases that we have done, it's no secret in true crime, majority, let's say like at least 70%. I'm making up these statistics, but... At least 70% of true crime victims, of victims of murder, victims of crime, are women, right? We That's majority of our cases. Most of the time, it's the husband murdering their significant other. Or it's a jealous, stalking lover that's murdering Yeah, someone that someone. can't get what they want. Yes, They're obsessed. obsessive, right? Yeah. Usually with a woman. Um, or not. I mean, we've obviously done other cases. But even, you know, we did a case of a woman murdering a pregnant woman her baby we yeah. did a case of we've done a lot of cases of mostly it's to do with women so and most of the time like when I was reading out the first little bit of this case to my boyfriend he, it was right away and to my best friend it was like it's the husband you know because you always assume yeah. it's the husband based on a couple of the last cases we've done we know that probably some of the husbands are still walking around that and it most likely was the husband that perpetrated this murder but today we have a different case um, it's a suspect that I've never, we even had, remember, with Jesse's to do, remember? It was the uncle, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, it, even that was shocking. But today's case for me was like, holy shit, you never hear of that. And I'm glad that it's not as common because, you know, it's, it's well, crazy. And also, I think that the relationship that we're going to discuss is uh, one that a lot of people have strife in. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like you yeah. can really put yourself in the position yeah. of a lot of these 
uh, stories that we're going to cover on this case. So, yeah, with that, we will jump right into the case. So, August 5th, 1992 was just another day in the quiet Vancouver suburb city of Coquitlam. British Twi Columbia. British Columbia. So just about, you guys like, I like to do the, the distance. Yeah, it's about a 15 minute drive with no traffic from where we are. Yeah. Which makes this stuff even more, you feel like, holy shit. Obviously this was the year I was born, so I was probably sitting right beside you watching the news even at that time. Because what month was it? August. August, so yeah, you were probably yeah. sitting right there. 26-year-old, recently divorced mother of one, Alexandra Pesich, was leaving her dental assistant job after her shift was over around 6 p.m. Her friend and her were leaving together. They crossed the road, and as she was getting into her parked white Firebird, a red IROC Camaro sped down the street in her direction. With many people around on this still light-out summer evening, the red car approached Alex's vehicle and let out six shots into the driver's side of Alexandra's car. They sped off and continued to let out shots in the car's direction as they fled. And one lady just bent down to tie her shoes. The and one she was walking it, Yeah, it, it's like saved her life. Yeah. Because the, the bullets the went friend. all over. So stunned witnesses ran to help. Alexandra's windows were shot out and she was bleeding from her head and neck. They checked for a pulse, and there was a faint sign of life. They held towels on her wounds, and she was still alive when the ambulance arrived. Sadly, Alexandra died on the way to the hospital just three weeks before her birthday. And there's, uh, I've watched some footage on the case, and it's such a trip back in time. It is. Like, it looks even, first even of all, Coquitlam looks almost exactly the same, I was going to say. Well, that building, it happened on North Road. Yeah, and on the, Cotton, those the buildings. Cottonwood Medical Center. Yeah. But it literally looks the same. <laughs> it's 2023. But so. even even those cars, like the cars that were involved, it's like such a flashback into into those days, like an IROC and a, yeah. and a Firebird. And it's, they interviewed the guy that was the first one to help the police get her out of the car. And he was just like know talking mullet, to the news and yeah his mullet was flapping Which away are back in now yeah in this clearly targeted act of violence that was so obviously personal who would want to hurt alex who would target a single mother and dental assistant in such a high profile drive-by shooting in broad daylight as shocking as this was those closest to alex knew she was in danger alex had been complaining of stalking for the past three years had gone to police, and had even hired a private investigator. Alex knew she was going to die. And she kept telling everybody. Yeah. So And she had no idea. Up. No idea. No, and the thing is, you see these, and we've talked about them too many times, but you see these brazen, daylight, I don't give a fuck if, I get, if anybody sees me shootings, or I'm going to do this in places like at a McDonald's, at gas, station. you know, gas stations, all these places. But generally, but they're not a twenty-six-year-old dental assistant no. with no ties to criminal no. activity. Generally, these days, it's you know someone that has gang affiliation or someone that some someone that's doing something, something that maybe they shouldn't be. Completely, you know, the wrong person. We've yep. seen that too. Yep. You know, so this was that was the shocking part of this because like, who the fuck would risk that for like a dental assistant? Not saying that you know, like maybe there's. Yeah, dental assistants that are 
especially double live a double life i don't know but i also feel like in the 90s like it was it was honestly a more innocent time yeah like because like who people would didn't even think of stuff like that it wasn't it wasn't like it is clearly now. they did well they, they did. did sometimes <laughs> yeah think but of stuff like that but it's yeah. shocking it is very shocking so alexandra amberic nodovich was born in yugoslavia and immigrated to canada with her mother at a young age she was said to be kind, outgoing, confident, friendly, and welcoming by everyone that knew her. So, sidebar, I grew up with a lot of people from Serbia, Bosnia, Croatia. So, it used to be called, and at this time, it was still called Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. So, it was like one nation, and then it, it separated. And then it separated. So, because I also am friends with a lot of those people, the, the C at the end of all their last names is actually pronounced ch. So, I know, because everyone's like, oh, Pesic, but it's not. It's Pesic. Right, so I don't know. I'm just gonna. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of these kinds of names in this story. So, mom, <laughs> there you go. There's your <laughs> your help. Ch -ch -ch. There you go. So, yeah. So on February twenty uh, two thousand three is when um, the adoption and promulgation of the Constitutional Charter of Serbia and Montenegro by the Assembly of Federal Republic was. So the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia name was changed to Serbia and Montenegro. So just a little history lesson for you guys there that's good to know yeah uh, as alex got older it was said that she was very driven and capable and was always pleasant to be around uh she's also very beautiful and she was even the runner-up in um the 1984 miss burnaby pageant at 17 years old the next year alex also competed in the miss canada pageant there's footage of that it's yeah, she's totally bubbly, beautiful, yeah, and she played talented, the piano. Yeah, played the piano beautifully. beautifully. Um, and she was very close to her mother. <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. I'm just kidding. Z I think it's Zdenka. Zdenka Ignatovic. <laughs> there you go. It was just <laughs> the two of them. And on the days they had some extra time, her mother and uh, Alex liked to go to open houses and like dream of their dream home that they would someday live in. Me and mom used to chase ambulances, <laughs> <laughs> which um, I was a kid, so it's probably super dangerous. Because one time we pulled up and all the cops had their guns drawn. Their, and I was like, oh, oh, never mind. Never mind. We have to turn around. Like, oh, sorry, kids. Let's go get McDonald's after swimming. So we just <laughs> chase, <laughs> chase that. <laughs> anyway, I want to say in my own defense. I was 18. Well, at this time, you were a little bit older, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's okay, and that's fine. But no, you know, some parents <laughs> do some stuff parents with their go kids. To open go to open houses, some whatever. That's fine. We, we also went to the Picton Farm. Yeah, multiple times. We actually would always go to true crime event <laughs> locations, which for all of you guys is probably super shocking. At least no one can take you away from me now. True, true. So at that one of those uh, open houses in 1988, uh, Alex and her mother, Yelka, uh, sorry, oh, Alex met. and her mother met a woman named Yelka and her husband Sava, who also went by Sam. Their last name was Pesic, and at an open house, um, yeah, they were at an open house, we already said that, but they overheard them speaking Serbian at the time, Yugoslavian. So, obviously, if you hear somebody with your mother tongue in a place where you are, where that is not everyone's mother tongue, you yeah. kind of feel a little more connected yeah, to them. Yeah, I feel drawn. Yeah. So... Because of that, um, the Pesic, they, they seemed really nice, and um, they were really happy to meet Alex and Zdenka as well. The Pesic, the Pesic's, 
owned Sam and Son's car garage near Main Street and encouraged the ladies to stop by if they ever had any car issues or as new friends just to pop in for a visit. So Alex took them up on this offer pretty soon after they met because her taillight uh, went out and so she needed to get her taillight fixed. So while she was there, uh, Alex met the Pesich's son, Joe. Um, He was their son, and after their first date, it didn't take long for them to fall in love. After just one month of whining and dining, motorcycle rides, and a romantic whirlwind, the couple got married in June of 1998 at Fantasy Gardens. 1988. Or 1988, sorry. Fantasy Gardens, (coughs) which, that was also like a pretty... I, for me, I had to Google Fantasy Gardens (laughs) because I think it was predated me. Yeah, Obviously. it did because I remember being in it still doesn't, doesn't early high now. school. I remember being in early high school, and it was the Vanderzams that owned it. And then, are they who owns? Um, oh no, uh, Van the Gardens one now. Van Zant Gardens. Uh, no, oh Van Dusen. That's a oh Van Dusen. But um, the, the the Bill Vanderzam ended up being the premier of the province, and he owned Fantasy Gardens, and it was like a. It was like a total 80s icon place. It's cool. As you could see in the wedding. Yeah, it was uh, we'll, well, maybe we'll post a wedding photo of um, Alex and Joe. And you can just see, like, it's got fantasy gardens written all over it. Like, with the puffy sleeves and the head, you know, the headpiece on the... Mm-hmm. It was very 80s. It's like everybody's 80s wedding, pretty much. Yeah. That's interesting. I need to go back in time and go to an 80s wedding. Maybe I'll have a... I'm not having a wedding, but maybe if maybe I ever can get, get married, married again, again I, 80s theme. I will I will commit to that right Heck now. Yeah. You guys, you hear that? Mom's gonna get married one day. Do we have any any takers? Because <laughs> she's <laughs> she's still not there's well, I mean, but 80s theme sounds fun. So maybe I'll try even harder now to get you a little match. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Um but uh, you if know they what? Could I marry someone that was born in the '80s as like part of the theme. I know. Well, actually, that would be older than me, so you're safe. That's mom's only rule. She's not allowed to date or even hug anyone <laughs> younger than me, <laughs> like a sex hug. You know, <laughs> like none of that. So the thing is, they got married a month after they met each other, but apparently, right off the bat, which I have had this experience before. Not going to say which with which one. I will just say it's not the one I currently have. Um, Yelka right away apparently like was like oh you should do this for your wedding you should do this for your wedding and was really controlling really of her controlling son. yeah so th- they have two sons Joe and his brother which I didn't even look up his <laughs> name but <laughs> Joe and his brother and apparently Joe's actually Joe's personality was like very very just boring. like quiet, <laughs> quiet and boring yeah. and like that's yeah. why the passages were so yes, excited yes. and like pushed the wedding because she was such a catch. Like, yeah. she was beautiful, and she was outgoing, and yeah. their son was, like, fucking boring and, like, shitty. Yeah, but they soon quickly, quickly, quickly realized that, or she quickly realized that, because she had, like, she was trying to kind of get out of it, I think, in between the one month of meeting, like, the one month they met and the well, a month later they got married. So I think there was a lot of neon flags for her because – the mom was very overbearing, very yeah. controlling, very like, like just over the top. Well, and like every day she would get home, and the mom Yelka would be at their house mm-hmm. making dinner. Yeah, and like you That's think nice that it sounds nice, yeah. yeah, once in a while. But imagine every day there's Yelka making <laughs> fucking dinner again. <laughs> like fuck, 
off Yelka. <laughs> That's what so, you want to say. Probably. Exactly. It, she probably did want to say that. So exactly. So basically, she she was a catch. Joe was whatever. But now she's starting to realize that what have I what done? have I done? And then, bada bing, bada boom, she was pregnant. Exactly. So, but after the baby was born, the, their son's name was Brandon, and after he was born in 1989, they didn't last very long because another thing that Yelka did to cross the line, and once you have a child, and anyone who has a child can relate to this, whether it be hormones, whether your mother-in-law just be a cunt, I don't know, you know, you are you feel extra like mother bear, like protective, like even if someone critiques something that you do, it's like... I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm punch. Exactly. So, but another thing also is that I think, I think your child, no matter how, in love, and I'm sorry if people are pregnant right now and they don't know this, and sorry to the husbands, yeah. but sorry, when you have your, your first up. baby, it truly is your very first true love mm-hmm. because you love that baby with everything in your being, yeah, more than you've ever loved anything, and yeah, if anyone fucks with your baby, like. Even if they don't fuck with your baby, but they like just say that your baby's too hot wearing those socks. You want to smash their head in, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Like literally at the exact same scenario, which I'm sure you did too, dealing with like different cultures too, which they are not the diff- different cultures. But I know for myself, like, I mean, <laughs> the same culture now, but one time Watch I where a, you're stepping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're just going <laughs> to. <laughs> Never mind. We won't go there. So Yelka crossed the line again when this was the final straw so I think every time she did Alex would be like to him you need to tell your mom basically I think to to get out of here to kick the rock get, get <laughs> kick, out rocks. Yeah. kick rocks uh, this is for the listener who said I swear too much but oh fuck, fuck you no, I'm just kidding <laughs> um <laughs> no they basically she's like you need to tell your mom to like stop stop it like stand up to stand your mom up for you me. fucking pussy exactly exactly so um, he didn't. And then this no. last time, Yelka was babysitting Brandon, and he was really little. And she, I think he must have been teething, or he was sick or something, and Yelka's like, let me give him this tea. And probably what was in it was like, like one time, my grandma was like, oh, just dip his soother in this Whiskey. alcohol. And I was like, huh? Like, that's yeah. probably legal. But, you know, sometimes they people bring things from old school beliefs and they try to yeah. do it here and i mean even some of our beliefs that we had like back in the day when you were born gripe water actually had alcohol in it yeah and exactly. i gave it to you all the time you were Co- probably in Cola had cocaine yeah. in it so i mean you know Too bad it doesn't anymore yeah all I can say. <laughs> so anyway um yelka was babysitting brandon alone and she was just pretty much like fuck you i'm not listening to you and she gave the baby this Whatever Some she kind of them. tea. Well, Alex got home and tried to wake the baby up, and he would not wake up after every yeah, anything. Yeah, she had to take him to the hospital. Yep, and Yelka finally admitted, I gave him I gave him the tea. So The codeine tea or whatever. Yeah, basically, who knows what it was. It was probably, like, alcohol. Probably, it probably was. Like, I mean, I don't know what it was, but he wouldn't wake up. So, basically, they got a divorce, and Alex left right away, and... They were going through a bitter divorce. Um, it was just a lot of uh, Joe was trying to get full custody, and and it the was parents actually also were involved in the custody dispute. And they and were trying it was to sue Alex for money because yeah. they bought them, a, they gave them a down payment for yeah. their home for and seventy thousand dollars. That's what Sam said. And then, and then 
they were actually told that they were not allowed to have visitation yeah. with Brandon, which, mm-hmm, which I know kind of back in those days, it did kind of go more with the mother a lot easier, but but to take no complete visitation? rights away from grandparents mm-hmm. is a pretty big deal. So a lot of stuff must have come out. Yeah. Because Joe still had visitation with Brandon at that time. Yeah. Because he would go and get him from daycare and take him places. Yeah. But I don't think it was like a full-on shared custody arrangement at all. No, but that's kind of when Alex already thought that she didn't like Yelka. <laughs> then Yelka's true, even truer color started to show. So... Almost three years before Alex's murder, Alex received a book at her front doorstep. Someone mailed it to her. And the book was called The Deaths of Cindy James. And it was a true crime story written about a woman who was stalked and brutalized for years in the Vancouver area. And passages were highlighted in the book that she received in the mail. Passages saying that her house was burned down Mm -hmm. and a a bunch of other various things. Yeah, so it was in the 80s, and it was actually over the course of eight years. Cindy James was followed, stalked. She was found hogtied. She had nylons around her neck, her feet. Um, One time she was stabbed in the hand with a note saying, like, you're going to die. And another time she was, like, found unconscious. And then someone even lit her house on fire. So she was basically going to the police and saying over and over and over, and the police were... thought that she was doing all of this stuff herself well and uh, i don't know but when you're hogtied and you have a note pinned <laughs> through your hand stabbed yes yeah, stabbed like through fully your hand. through her hand and so basically the book until until finally cindy james was was mur- murdered but the, that's the thing and i know some people might have seen this on unsolved mysteries because she was on unsolved mysteries it's very mysterious because people to this day the vancouver police department still says that she she did it herself killed herself she was found in the back of an abandoned home abandoned home after she'd been dead for three weeks yeah and she was found right before her 45th birthday dead so anyway passages from these this book were highlighted and sent to alex's house in the mail by an unknown sender and the passages were like highlighted saying like and it was the stuff that later happened to her yes so the terrifying words were now being used to terrify alex whoever sent her this book hated alex and wanted her scared but even more it seemed that they wanted her dead so after reading some of the book because obviously you're gonna be like if someone sends something to my house i'm probably gonna read it and then you're gonna get even more freaked out when someone has went through this book and highlighted it well and then the police again aren't i mean she's bringing it all to the police yeah and so Cindy James had hired a private investigator, and Alex, after reading some of the book, she decided to hire the same investigator that Cindy James had hired, and his name was Ozzy Caban. And he has stores, like spy stores, all over Vancouver still. The Ozzy Caban still exists. Remember when I was fucking Spy Kids? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Harriet the Spy. I was Harriet the Spy, Spy Kids. Remember when Janelle fucking stole my VHS? I will never forget. Anyway, just kidding, Janelle. I love you. You probably don't listen, but that's fine. So friends said that they were afraid to speak out after when she was murdered and police did not take Alex's complaint serious enough. She was starting to get so scared that she was wearing disguises like wigs. Like imagine you had to put a wig on. I know people wear wigs now for like, I'm going to wear a wig, you know, like switch it up. But like having to actually wear a wig, have a disguise on, try to like, you don't even know who's following you. Well, and people were following her. One time she got out of the car at her mom's house. Someone was following her driving. And she obviously, because people sometimes are like, following me. They're not. They're probably not following me. 
but she stopped at her mom's and a man in a mask ran after her like she just made she it just to the door. got to the door and closed it yeah and so um said someone like i said even lit her yard on fire yeah her so she was wearing disguises and in in hopes she wouldn't be recognized and someone tried to run her off the road multiple times and despite all her pleas to police, Alex felt no one was listening, no one was taking her seriously, and she felt she was going to be killed. So when questioned, a spokesperson from the Burnaby RCMP said, they did what they thought was appropriate and many of Alex's fears could not be substantiated at the time. In retrospect, those fears were probably true. Okay, well that's comforting. And after that, there were um, like rallies. vigils, yeah. rallies held in Vancouver, just saying like the police in the action. police are not yeah. doing the job that they should be doing with uh, stalking, protecting people, protecting, and having your home lit on fire is not enough for the police to do something about it. Being followed and stalked and ran off the road is not enough for somebody to at least, you know, get a car to follow you or if you have to hire your own help for that what are the police for the system failed her 100 percent. yeah so for hours before her murder that same day she was murdered two suspicious looking men were sitting in the red irock they drove back and forth over and over down cottonwood towards north road they had mullets and big noses <laughs> but that's like probably doesn't even narrow it down back then and like probably every other person drove a camaro so yeah the shooter was described as a man in his early 20s with high cheekbones, greasy hair, wearing sunglasses, and the driver had shaggy hair and a chubby face. And an hour after the shooting, that same car was found. And no surprise, it was stolen. And had stolen. The license, license plate, plate was stolen. But they did find some hairs in the IROC and they collected them. Fingerprints in the car came back to 21-year-old Lawrence DeLorme. And in the car, they also found a note that had a license plate written on it with a description of a red car, or sorry, white car with a red roof. And also that same description and license plate had been noted by both Alex and Ozzy Cabans. Yeah, people. the day of Alex's death, a member of the private investigators team had been patrolling near Alex's work. And actually, Alex's son's daycare was right by her work. So the car was actually parked outside of her son's daycare yeah. so that's where the member of the private investigators team was watching it and it was overcast so uh, a guy with sunglasses was sitting in two guys with sunglasses were sitting in that car and so it kind of screamed suspicious so he paid extra attention and he wrote the license plate down as well the white car with the red top seen following Alex and stalking her son's daycare matched the license plate that comes back to 28-year-old Milad Nanadich. Nanadich. The, <laughs> the next day, police started surveillance on him. On August 10th, the same day as Alex's funeral, Milad is tailed by undercover agents. He's followed to the home of Yelka and Sam Pesic. Was this a coincidence or was it all starting to make sense? Well, also, what happened when he got into the car? He laid down. He got into Yelka's car <laughs> and laid in the back seat. <laughs> That's so suspicious. So I guess these guys aren't really good at telling that people are following them or the police no. are doing a really good job. Yeah, because you would think, obviously, too, I mean, if you had something to do with a murder, you would probably be, like, on high alert. So Yelka 
drove to Metrotown, which is a po- popular mall in Burnaby, and they walked in, trying to look like they came separate, walked in and then walked back out separate, but he got back into the car and, and laid, laid down, down again. <laughs> so obviously the police are all watching this. So they watched her drop him off back at his vehicle and they continued to follow him. As he drove into Surrey, the police decided Surrey. decided to pull him over as he got out. His shorts were pretty short because it was the 80s. It was the 90s, oh, but sorry. he was still it wearing the 80s, 80s But it was still the 90s, just like, or the 80s, just like your hair was also still living in the 80s. Um, he got out and his there was like a huge big bulge in his Ooh. shorts, but it wasn't like a nice good kind of bulge. Well, it was still, but it wasn't <laughs> that kind. Um, and then all of a sudden, $30,000 fell onto the floor right in front of the police when they pulled him over. Fuck. Busted. Busted. That same day, Alexandra's funeral was being held. The same time she was being buried, Miladna Nadich was arrested for arranging her murder, but the shooter is yet to be apprehended. So Alex was laid to rest at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Burnaby. Now, for me, I would never want to be buried. I've never wanted that. I want to be cremated. But I've always thought that that, beautif- that cemetery it is, is so, so beautiful. beautiful. It's almost like Hollywood style. It is, because my dad used to live in Burnaby, and I remember you drive down Royal Oak, and you can like see it, and it's just beautiful. So rest in peace. <sighs> that's where she's buried. And uh, yeah, the same day. Yeah, um, the same day, which was so great. Like it was so mm-hmm. really prophetic that it happened it the was. same day. Yeah. And also we didn't mention that um, Joe, that same day, went to pick up his son at yeah. the daycare. So everyone was brought in for questioning after that on August the 25th. They brought in uh, Yelka, Sam, and Joe, and apparently in the past, Yelka had been caught a bunch of times shoplifting random shit. So, like Club little Domania. things too, like chicken livers and like things that she could have afforded. Well, clearly. kleptomania yeah. is actually so it's a mental health disorder that involves repeatedly being unable to resist urges to steal items that you generally don't need. So probably like chicken livers, and often the person. Stealing, I mean, that's a mental, it's a mental health. It is. It's a mental so illness. So right there is like a big, so th- she happened to have a lawyer already. Just because she had had to be. Which obviously in this kind of case and ch- shoplifting chicken livers, I mean, your defense attorney probably should be a diff- different yeah. person, but they clearly, they didn't know anybody else. So they just went with the same guy that got her off the chicken livers, I guess. So. Yeah. So, um, and the dad got a lot of workers' compensation claims and mm-hmm. claimed a lot of ICBC claims. He was fraudulent when they He was in. super fraudulent also, so that kind of speaks to his character 100%. Yeah. And, and Joe, when he was questioned, he remained really calm because he had an alibi. Yeah. He even still had his receipt from his swimming, which who keeps took that? Took the kid to go swimming, his son to go swimming and kept the receipt, which was strange because... You don't usually keep a receipt no. from a swimming pool. I mean, I hoard all my receipts in my bag accidentally, so maybe maybe you do, but I don't know. I think some people obviously really think it was him, and you guys know, we t- what do we talk about more than anything? Husbands murdering their wives. And at this time, they were going through a pretty bitter like custody battle, and he was ordered to pay a bunch of money and all this stuff. So, I mean, there could be motive there, but he was really quickly cleared. Everyone kind of wanted it to be him because who... You know, obviously, who but else like would be involved? through the whole thing, I think his one fault in life, in general, is being such a complacent person. Because they do speak to the fact that Yelka was 
making Alex's life hell before the divorce, mm-hmm. after the divorce, and her husband, yeah, he was like the boss of the family, and he was he wasn't being great either. But it's never said that like Joe was being outwardly horrible, and he was no. probably just being cold, like he probably yeah. was the whole time. Exactly. But even just when didn't he, do anything, that's, yeah, that was always and that's the, issue. the thing. Like he he should have stepped up. Yeah, and so. Uh, really the way it was, was Yelka was like a very caretaking. She, you know, she did that and she was meddling in all parts of her son's and lives. Stealing but chicken livers. Yeah. But her husband was like the, the boss, like the man of the house. And the police were like, there's no fucking way that if you were going to pay someone $30, your $30, husband. $30,000. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Even more. He probably would have noticed $300 even in five seconds. So $30,000, he would have noticed. But her i mean the other attorneys said that she had her own inheritance from yugoslavia so he which whatever yeah i mean i, mean, I think he probably still knew but they could never find anything to connect him yeah and so yelka was basically completely denying that she had anything to do with it why would i oh my gosh i would never my grandson's mother exactly. i would never do that yeah so Yelka, Lawrence, and Malad were all charged with first-degree murder. The same day they were charged, police searched the home where Nanadich lived with his parents, and they recovered a semi-automatic handgun and a case of bullets that was a ballistic match to the murder weapon used. There were even six bullets missing out of the box. Oh, surprise, surprise. When, When asked, Malad denied being the shooter, but said he picked up two men who he arranged to do the murder. He was more of a middleman, but claimed to have absolutely no idea who the two men were. Luckily, a man who walked by the Red Eye Rock the day of the murder recognized one of the men as Dave Volk and called in the tip line. But Dave Volk wasn't a name that anybody knew, so they were like, oh, we don't have anybody by that name. That's not even somebody's name. But luckily, (laughs) we know that these criminals usually can't keep their mouth closed. And a woman, shortly after, called and said her boyfriend, Dave Dave Sigoviano had admitted to her that he killed Alex. And coincidentally, Dave Sigoviano's mother's maiden name was Volk. The girlfriend agreed to have her home bugged with a listening device. And Dave must have been uh, <laughs> <This part laughs> suspicious because when she would bring it back up, because he talked about it once and then. Yeah, he agreed. told her, I'm the one that shot that, yeah. that girl. Yeah. So. When she would bring it back up now, she knows that the house is being bugged, but he, I mean, clearly he has some kind of idea, but she would ask him stuff and he would write his answers down on paper and then he would flush it down the toilet. so fucked up. (laughs) So So you could hear the toilet flushing in the video. Like every time she'd ask him a question, there'd be like a pause and then a toilet would flush. Yeah. So obviously the police got a warrant because they were like well first of all i'd go into the toilet and find those fucking notes because like what the <laughs> fuck dumbass you should have swallowed them instead. he shouldn't have even written them he could <laughs> should have learned sign language or something <laughs> i don't like really if you want to be that like uh. anyway the tenant of the house actually said he's like oh, i remember that day that day was welfare day i just you guys know <laughs> that's what i picture that guy to talk like so he said, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Dave came home and he had a whole different haircut and then he threw his hairs <laughs> into the garbage and actually, I still have still it. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no one took their garbage out ever, clearly. 
But not on welfare day. You got other shit to do. No. So police took those hairs and they compared them to the ones found in the red eye rock. And they were very similar because at this time, DNA was still in its infancy. And all they could do was look at one hair and the other and say, (laughs) yeah, that's That's the same hair. That's the same one. Obviously, now we have uh, way different technology. Technology. Just a heads up to anyone I'm related to. I just did 23andMe. So if you're a murderer, you're going down pretty soon. <laughs> so I already gave my dad a heads up. He didn't seem worried. So that goes that. So the trial started and Yelka remained really calm and quiet and cold. She was said to be just pretty cold. Sam came every day and nobody sat anywhere near him. And so did Alex's mother, obviously. Yeah, Alex's mother. I mean, they were so close. Yeah. It was, was so devastating. To well, y- we've talked about it. When you have just one parent, you're usually pretty close with that parent. Usually. I mean, obviously, there's other circumstances where it doesn't. But you and I, it's a, we've talked about it, It's like a trauma bond. You know, yeah. it's a great and healthy But it when you only have one parent, you're more that you're my mom and my dad. Right. So. So in trial, Helen Gatona, who was a close friend of Yelka, dropped a bombshell. She had been with Yelka when Yelka mailed the Cindy James book to Alex's home. She had even been out for a walk. Well, what she assumed was a dog walk. Imagine if someone invited you on a dog walk. And then you look (laughs) over as they walk past their daughter-in-law's house and they're lighting it on fire. Oh, my God. So she was like what the fuck but yelka also had a copy of that book in her house on the on the coffee table when the yeah just there like like. but yelka had hated alex so bad that she wanted to scare her and when that wasn't enough she went to a family friend maladna nottich and arranged for alex to be killed most of the evidence against yelka was circumstantial with nothing physically tying her to the murder but under the code in Canada, hiring a contract killer or arranging for someone to be murdered is automatically first-degree murder, even if you weren't physically there. So even though it was circumstantial, the evidence against Yelka was still overwhelming. It was super overwhelming. Yeah. The trial lasted a little over two weeks, on the jury, and the jury went into deliberation, but came back really quickly with their decision and... The jury found Dave Segoviano, Maladna Nadich, Lawrence DeLorme, and Yalka Pesic are all found guilty of first-degree murder and were all sentenced to life without parole for 25 years. There was a lot of emotion in the courtroom. Alex's mom, in anything you've watched, like, oh man, this is horrible. But the other day I was watching, because I always watch stuff and, you know, getting ready to do the case. I watch every single thing about it for weeks so I can just have it in my head. I do that anyway when it's not a case, but... Anyway, <laughs> so Carlos was sleeping, and then the mom, it's like, because ah, it's like, it's horrible. It's a horrible sound, but it's a primal scream. It is. It's it's horrible, and I've heard that so many times on True Crime, but it's like, that's the one thing. The, a mother's scream for their child when they've been murdered or when something's happened to yeah. them, and Carlos woke up like, what? like, what the fuck? But he was even like, that's like the saddest cry I've ever yeah. heard, so it was very really emotional. Sad. Even all the detectives, like, recounting it, and 30 years later, everyone is still still They're still very emotional over this whole thing. Yeah. So she, and she said to the mother, you know, she's satisfied with the verdict, but she'll never again in her life be happy, which I can totally understand that. So Yelka has always maintained her innocence. And in 2008, after 15 years, she applied for early parole at our stupid fuck. (laughs) Well, you you guys know (laughs) that we hate this. The faint hope clause is bullshit. It's something that happened well, after they abolished. It is. It's, it's over now. But in just in the cases when we talk about it, it it's was like bullshit. after 15 years, you have no fucking chance of getting out. But 
faint hope. Let's try it. Let's anyway. try after 15 years for you to go in front of the fucking families, like of the person that you murdered, Every and year. say I should get out. Like, no, you shouldn't. Yeah, you I have torture. fucking life. So. Anyway, she could never say anything nice about Alex when she was questioned, and the jury saw right through her every time and denied her for parole. And that day was actually the first time that Brandon had seen his dad and his grandmother, even though he didn't, I don't think his paternal grandmother, he has nothing to do with her. Obviously, he murdered, she murdered his mother. But that was the first time she saw, he saw his dad in 15 years. And he testified, obviously, about how horrible everything was. And And that must have been the hardest thing because obviously when this happened he was only three years old and it was so 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 sad yeah but imagine like you've lived with this legacy your whole life and now you have to go testify against a family that is actually 50 percent of your dna yeah and now they've killed your mother and now you have to get all of your you know your courage together and go and testify so that this fucking horrible woman that happens to be your grandmother can't get out of jail for killing your mother like yeah, and the fact that the dad never saw him again after that kind of speaks volumes because, think about it, they were in a custody battle. Yeah. And usually, if the dad didn't kill the mom, the kid is going to go live with the dad. Yeah, and... and he owed $80,000 in child support. Like, he didn't want... He just was like, oh, guess I'm done with this. Like, Yeah, and Alex's mom raised him for yeah. his whole life. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but... He's like a mechanic, actually, now. Yeah, and he's a mechanic, and he never changed his last name, no. even though he did think about it, mm-hmm. because what it, but he said, no, that's my, yeah. that's my birthright, it's my name. Yeah. So, Miladin Nadich came to police while he was serving his sentence and claimed that it was not actually Yelka that hired him. Surprise, surprise, but it was Sam, Joe's father. He claimed he tried to get more money after the fact and tried to extort him. So Malad said that Sam told Nanadich that he would actually even get a bonus, air quotes, if he shot and killed Alex outside her mother's home so that the mother could see. <gasps> yeah, but these claims were never substantiated. And Sam has still never been charged in Alex's murder. And they actually still, to this day, own Sam and Sons. And Joe, Joe actually runs it. Because the parents are old as fuck now. Um, and in 2018, old as fuck Yelka... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for any of our listeners that are over the age of 70. Um, but Yelka was released on parole, and she still lives with her husband in the same home that they have always lived in. And, yeah. So, um, in 1993, this is kind of nice. Kind of nice. Thanks, criminal justice system. 1993 is when harassment and stalking actually became a crime. So, a little too late to help Alex. Um, but for victims, and we know because we've had mom has been stalked. I mean, I just had to call a little while ago because of my stalker, and yeah. they didn't and really I've do been anything. Stalked, but it was kind of like a weird, like creepy. Remember, creepy. Yeah, but it never got too creepy. But it was kind of like romantically creepy, where it could have <laughs> easily escalated to creepy, creepy. Yeah, they don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't find the experience to be one that you'd recommend. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. So, yeah, obviously it didn't help save Alex because it was a year after she was murdered but yeah. you know a lot of these people are I heard something happen online what is it when you die for a cause and it's a martyr is it okay yeah. and then you know you die for a cause and then after there's change so yeah. yeah don't stalk don't murder your daughter-in-law but how fucked up is that because well many many like more daughter-in-law and mother-in-laws don't get along than do yes yes and like usually it's, a, it's after it's a thing. you have a child yeah. because you're like 
Well, first of all, you live with the person that that lady raised. So you're probably like, ah, don't give me any parenting Well, advice. and mothers and sons often have like a weird bond where, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel feel like, I don't know. There's been a couple people I've dated where I was like, I probably just broke up with them because I didn't like their mom. Remember the papers lady? (laughs) That's what I mean. That was one where I was like, okay, weird. He lived with his mom and it was like still like, like weird. Well, we were old. And like, I think it was like she came to live with him because it was like some kind of a circumstance. Come on. Come on. Exactly. But yeah, when you're, some people, I mean, I'd live with you if, if. If Carlos would let you move in. <laughs> I wouldn't. Let's do a I don't kill your son-in-law episode. I no, won't. just kidding. Just kidding. Mom loves Carlos. A lot. A lot, yeah. And I would never move in with you. <laughs> well, I'm going to get you a mother-in-law suite. Remember? I still won't live in it. You would. Come on. We'll see. We could also double it as a recording studio. I'm just kidding. Perfect. Just kidding, Dad. We're not, going We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. But we are going to see you guys out. next time. Yeah. And we will be back, actually. We're going to start to do more episodes. I know I've said that probably for the last three years. I'm like, we're going to start to do more often. Obviously, you guys know May was fucking hectic. And <laughs> it was very, very. It was. It was a but lot. But the thing is, is that now I don't even know if I'll be alive because I'm about to go camping by myself every in weekend. In her rooftop <laughs> tent. In the middle of nowhere, off the grid. Don't tell them where. Cause I'm not telling you guys where. But uh, I really still feel like if I'm not, then my son's agreed to step in and it will be called uh, murder with my brother. Nah, we'll just do Kierce. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm taking Kierce camping this weekend. Oh, yeah, so yeah. No, well, we won't. I'll obviously wait for you to record. But OK. But yeah. So we will see you guys. We sing a little more of us. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for tuning in, thanks guys. For tuning in that w- turning. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. That was episode 46 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, Bye guys. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.